who had nothing to do. Good morning, or good. I didn't know it. We're so used to this. Produce content and have conversations for those. Good morning or good evening, depending on whatever shift your seniority allows you to hold. I'm William Young, correctional officer, author, and advocate for the correctional profession. Tonight, I'll be your ever-so-gracious host and director of dialogue for the duration of this discussion. Allow me to welcome you with warm, unwavering, outstretched, and open arms to this week's edition of the Saturday Night Synopsis. You know, I've been thinking about putting some music right after this. It'll be like, oh, warm discussion, Saturday Night Synopsis. Or something like that, you know, like, like, uh, Saturday Night Synopsis, you know, or, or maybe some rock music or something, but I'm not sure. I, I, you know what I hope? I hope nobody just tuned in and saw some 42 year old guy beatboxing, uh, on the screen and wondered what the hell that they had stumbled into. But in case they did, I'm, I'm going to ask that they stick around because they will not be disappointed unless they came for a uh, cooking tutorial or to learn to make grandma's lasagna then uh, then you will be absolutely disappointed with what we're going to talk about tonight and I believe that your podcast is is down the hall and it's the third door on the left right next to the the water fountain and yes I am imagining this hallway and this water fountain sitting alone in my room talking to nobody I got to get a drink already. Can you guys hear me okay? Everybody okay? How we doing, guys? All right. If you're just stopping by for the first time, let me tell you what we do here. We produce content and have conversations for those craving information about the wonderful world of corrections with a focus on fighting and highlighting the emotional damage and psychological danger that officers encounter while working inside the walls. So what that means is that we talk shop, we talk corrections, but what we do is we don't necessarily focus on what happens inside the walls. It's outside how this job kind of penetrates our personal life. And that's the focus here. We, we, we tackle topics like trauma and the toll that it takes on an officer's mental health and emotional well-being. We, we want to shatter that stigma that is often applied to officers when they reach out, when they try to seek help. So... Uh, that's that, right? This is my first page of notes, and that's done. I see some people. Uh, Tina is on. Nick's on. What's what's up, Nick? How you doing, buddy? Kelly's on. I want to thank you guys for coming back. I'm not sure what's missing in your lives that you feel like every Saturday night you want to stop by and uh, and hang out with us. But I really, I really appreciate it. We have an awesome show tonight. But I want to talk about something real quick. Um, you know, sometimes things happen in our life, and we can't understand why they happen, right? At least at least I do. So I try to look for a reason or an explanation on why maybe I lived through something that I had to live through. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had one of those little uh, incidences at, at, uh, at my work during my shift that put another crack in my, in my armor, in my, in my psyche. And, and, and I've been struggling to figure out you know, what the purpose was, what the benefit is. And, um, and then I got a call the other night. I was heading into work 
and I got a call, uh, a message from from a correctional officer from a from another uh, another agency, and he uh, he told me that he uh, went through a situation that he was dealing with, and in fact, it was the same situation. It was a very similar situation uh, that I went through, and I was able to talk to him and talk about the steps that I went through to to kind of right the ship, right? So I had to say, hey, yeah, I, uh, you know, I went through what I went through and I couldn't sleep for, you know, several days. And and for a guy who's seen a lot of shit, that's unusual, you know? So uh, it was just one of those deals where I had to reach out. And so I was able to talk him through that process and, and, and have a little bit of back and forth and offer my information should he ever need to reach out and talk again. But it kind of made me feel good, like maybe the whole purpose of me going through that situation, living through that situation, is so I could be there at that moment when that officer reached out. Because had I not lived through or gone through what I did that day, it would have just been, you know, me just making up shit like I do usually and saying, you know, hey, practice, uh, you know, uh, do what I say, not what I do, right? But but this was this was something entirely different. So so that was uh, that was awesome. That was. That was a, a, another thing, another positive thing that that said, you know what, I'm I'm in the right place at the right time. I'm doing doing the right thing. So that was that, that was awesome. I I uh, I love it. I read, you know, all the emails I get, the messages I get, the texts I get. Um, it really helps to keep me motivated uh, when I'm when I'm in my slump. Uh, last night I uh, uh, I'm freaking tired again. I had to do. I'm still doing work on this pool. The pool's all done, but I had to move a bunch of rock. And we talked last week about how I'm not really a a physical labor kind of guy and uh but it's all done so I should be okay but last night I got to do something kind of fun we participated in a uh a, uh we did like a tear talk podcast dinner party video that's up on tear talk right now and we all got together and there was like eight of us and we just chit-chatted and and I ate some pizza and we just kind of bounced ideas off of each other and uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Tear Talk, you should become familiar with Tear Talk. Uh, there's some really great content out there. And Anthony Ganji is doing a lot for our profession. Uh, so you should try to support him uh, whenever possible. Uh, another project I got coming up, and I'm going to post on Monday about this, is the is the, I was able to participate in a book that's being published. Uh, this guy put together a bunch of uh, dispatchers and corrections officers and firefighters and police officers and military personnel. And he wanted us to write, uh, you know, a chapter for this book. And so 20 of us, uh, put together this book and, uh, the pre-order starts Monday. Uh, so I'll have a link to that on there. It's called the I'm possible project. And it's got a link to the website. It tells you how to order. And uh, and so the actual book is going to come out in September, but I'll keep you kind of posted on that. And uh, I'll be doing some giveaways. I'm going to order some books or get some books shipped to me, and uh, I'll, I'll do some uh, signings and, and do some giveaways. So speaking of, uh, of giveaways here, let me get something here. Um, where am I at here? Okay, here we are. I'm still trying to learn this product. Okay, check this out. Last week we talked about me and my my guest Nick, who is a uh, former police officer, couldn't help himself but to talk about Krispy Kreme donuts over and over and over again. And so what we did is I threw it out there and I said, "Hey, if one of you guys goes out and gets Krispy Kreme 
to uh, to send me a picture of you with the Krispy Kreme, and I'm going to give you an autographed book. So here we go. My buddy BJ right here who watches the show every week sent me in this uh, picture of him, and he actually went to another, he went to original spot that was by his place and got a donut and then went out of his way to go to Krispy Kreme to get the donut. So BJ, I'm going to be autographing a, a book for you. Here's your book sitting right here. Okay, look, it's right by, oh, it's behind you now. Look at that. So I'm going to be autographing a book for you. If you just want to message me tonight after the show uh, privately and let me know uh, where you want me to send it, I will I will get that sent out into the mail for you. And I appreciate you uh, kind of uh, playing along a little bit. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun last week. All right. So I know you guys didn't come here to hear me talk about donuts or to hear me talk about shoveling two tons of rocks uh, to put around a swimming pool. You came here tonight to listen to my guest. And tonight, uh show is going to be a little bit different than the other shows that we've had because my guest tonight, not only is, a, is he a close personal friend of mine, uh, uh, one of the guys that I always say people should have friends that would help them move a body in the middle of the night without question. Well, this guy is one of those guys for me. Uh, and he's going to offer us... Uh, a civilian's perspective of what it's like to be a friend with a correctional officer and offer us some tips on meditation and some other things that we're going to talk about tonight. So if you've read my book, uh, and I'm going to show it. Hey, let's show it again. That's another good opportunity. When Home Becomes a Housing Unit, I have a chapter in there. It's called Two Good Buddies. And and, and this guy is one of those good buddies. So it, it, kind of his background is he's an ASE, ASE Master Certified Automotive Technician. He's also a veteran of the United States Air Force, world traveler, amateur hockey player, an all-around leader of men. This is, this is what I get when I let my guests write their own bio. I should, I should not let that happen anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm Saturday night synopsis. Welcome to my friend, the mechanic, Patrick Berry. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hey, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I'm glad that you. Sorry, were, that's just a podcast. That's just a like a thing that the a guy on a podcast I listen to every single time they introduce him, he says the same thing, even though he's one of the hosts. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Uh, it's nice uh, Saturday off. Uh, if you didn't have today off, then uh, I guess sucks. But um, um, I uh, spent my day uh, taking apart my bathtub. And um, you know this about me. Um, my bathtub is sort of uh, kind of important to me. It's kind of where I right. do my decompressing, which is what we might be talking about. So um, it went from, oh, crap, we have a leak. And my wife saying, yeah, that's the bathtub. And me saying, oh, no, to I figured that out. I got under there and um, uh, it, it's not the end of the world. Just replace a few parts and we'll be fine. So um, see, my Father's Day present this year is uh, new parts for my jacuzzi bathtub. See, that's one of the differences of being a correctional officer versus not being a correctional officer. If my bathtub would have had a leak, I would have flipped out. I would have, I would have, it would have ruined my whole weekend. I mean, I would have been, I, I would probably have canceled the show. <laughs> I'd be pissed off about it. I would have like got drunk and whatever. But, but you're like, Nah, this is this is not the best scenario, but let's let's figure out. And that's why you're here tonight to tell me and the hundreds of thousands of people watching. Uh, oh no pressure! <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, there's like three. There's like three people oh, watching, okay. and two of them are related to me. So don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> well, to, the other three are related to me. I think. So. <laughs> 
So look, a few years ago. So so I'm, let me let me talk about how we met a little bit. Um, we met through uh, a social organization, a, a Masonic Lodge. We were both members of the Masonic Lodge, and uh, we met, and we were some of the younger guys that were there, and uh, we kind of hit it off a little bit. We have a lot of the same interests um, as far as kind of the spiritual, paranormal. Uh, type deal and I, and I don't know what it was I mean it was just uh, it, we, we just kind of clicked and and there's a there's another guy that that uh, is usually part of this trio but he, he's not allowed to uh, hang out anymore uh, so he just kind of shuts off his we have this group message and we go back and forth sometimes and uh, me and Pat are always up later than this guy and he shut he's got to shut his phone off he silences the messages and uh he's he's missing all kinds of stuff so right now just so you know pat in the comments section people are fighting uh about donuts zingers and uh yeah and what's better and and crispy cream so yeah so that's great so we're gonna have another show uh about uh diabetes and obesity that's that's gonna be next <laughs> right well, you know, as long as it's, you know, I, zingers, like the chocolate ones, or like what's winning? Are we talking about like Twinkies versus zingers? Like you got to have the frosting on top, but. I don't know. It's, I don't, uh, I don't know, it's, it's my buddy Joel, and he put in there, he's, he's putting, uh, uh, well, I may be saying donut is greater than no donut, which is greater than a zinger. But I have been known to uh, hit up the vending machine and grab a zinger from time to time because that's i mean just sometimes you just want a zinger so <laughs> okay i guess okay there you go so a, a few years ago i took uh some friends and family on a tour of the facility that i work in and i recommend that uh everybody who works in a correctional facility at some point offer your friends and family a tour even if you don't want to be the one that does the tour i think that you should have uh them kind of experience the the you know the facility and, and kind of the weight of of the place just for a little bit so they can kind of maybe understand actually what is uh what it is that we that we go through and i and so you were one of those people i took I mean, my dad was on the tour i think my cousin a few guys from the lodge uh, tell me a little bit about your experience uh, uh, during that tour, Pat. Um, yeah. So when uh, when you wanted to set it up, I know uh, you had been kind of bugging us for, I mean, months. I mean, it had been like, hey, man, I want to take you guys on a tour. I want to take you guys on a tour. I take you guys on a tour. And I was like, I don't want to go to jail. Like, what? <laughs> like, all right, fine. So we go there. I mean, you 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 get the the the. the I don't know the movie version of it. You get the uh, the idea of it, and then I hear your stories of it. And uh, I sure I sure as hell did not want to go, man. But you know, you're a good friend of mine, so I was like, I'm gonna go support the guy. He wants to show us what he does, and we'll go. We'll we'll do this. So um, there were about like I don't know, man. We were there for what, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, or something like that. There were like six, like I want to say, like life defining, like memories now that i have of that place in just a specific hour and a half of my life it was like just like i guess you would call them wcf moments um just like you know okay so just start from the beginning driving up to the place there's parking everywhere nobody downtown 
wants to park near this place. It's it's like you can't find a parking spot. You can't find a parking spot. Oh wait, there's a bunch of open parking spots. Oh, that's why. Okay, so there's that. So you park. You walk up to the place, and it's weird because you're you're looking up at this this sort of this ominous building over you and it it feels like it casts more of a shadow than it should have because we went in the evening and i just was like there's just more it just i don't know it, it just felt different like a different kind of place and when you walk in the front um you know we walked in the front door that sort of that that you know um i don't know reception area and um and you just like instantly you just felt like the heaviness and i know uh, here we go talking about feelings uh, right out the gate like yeah let's talk well let's just say let's just say let's preface this by saying that that you you're you're in the military you 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 play hockey you Mm. you're you're a mechanic you're not you're not pushing papers for a living so you're not you're not a you're not a an insurance salesman that i took to this place you i mean you you're you're you've been in some rough places You've, you've been around some dudes that were, you know, dudes. So, um, mm-hmm. so everything that you're saying is based on that perspective, not just a guy who, you know, kind of hides in a cubicle all day. That is a true statement. I have, uh, I have seen some shit in my life, uh, time. So, um, before I worked on cars, I worked on fighter jets. Those fighter jets drop bombs on people. So you kind of get the idea. Um, uh, at a very young age, kind of had to come to the realization of, you know, life can be tough for, some people so that's fine um but so, but you walk in there and then you know we see you we get in our little group and and you take us down the deal and our first stop is booking and we were in booking and just like so it's just this sort of quiet room nobody's talking it's not like a waiting room where like everybody's waiting to see a doctor but like everybody's trying hard to not have to stay or you know, or, and, and of course, you know, right there, right off of booking, you've got your kind of those, uh, those, uh, those four or five, like, um, isolation rooms right then and there. Uh, we walk by one, some dudes banging his head on the door, you know, and everything is just sort of, I mean, it's so disoriented for just a random, you know, civilian to walk into. Um, it, it's it, right then and there, I was like, I never, ever in a million years want to come back here right there and we hadn't even started man we just got here you know (laughs) and um so we get through booking and we're walking down into the halls and everything's so obviously it's an institution so everything's so institutional i mean you've got the, the 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 white um like uh tile floors everything's painted i don't know that sort of off white color and um and you know halls are wide and and there's nobody in the hallways like you see like one or two people in the hallways this was sort of towards the evening again so i mean i guess that was sort of the the cool down time or whatever but um i uh my my next like i guess uh what the fuck moment was uh, we walked by the first unit and it was one of the newer units and um and uh you were telling us how you know this unit houses 60 inmates and um it was basically you know just the seats and then you see the the, the cells going down the walls and, and everything uh, is two stories two two maybe i don't know whatever um but there was uh there was one corrections officer one woman and she was my age or younger and that was it and i said so there's 60 in there right now and you're like yeah and i'm like 
and it's just her and okay so whatever call it sexist if you will i know she'd probably jump down my ass if she heard me saying this or whatever especially in that setting but that really messed me up man that like that like i was like so she's just in there like that's that's what like so if like eight dudes decided they wanted to just not you know mess her the hell up it's over like she's got maybe somebody coming down the hallway running in running in after her but for the most part that's it and so what the fuck right i mean that's i didn't expect that i figured it was at least teams of two so somebody could call for help or something anything you know nope one person uh so then we we keep going and um you know that was sort of a time where there were sort of some high profile inmates in the jail at the time and um uh we kind of talked about them and how they were often over there that 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 there's a specific one there's specific unit for the ones that are uh in their solitary all the time um and uh uh that was sort of a weird conversation we had and so we get we're we keep going we keep going and we get sort of towards the older area where the sort of the older units were and everything um it was a much closer feel um than it was in the newer area so um the I don't know how many the uh, how many uh I guess inmates uh the older units held I can't remember but I do remember walking by one and I don't know where my mind was but it sure as hell wasn't on where it should have been because I got startled by an inmate barking at me uh through the window uh just doing the ah, 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 and of course he thought it was fucking hilarious because he got me he, he like I I turned around and I gave him the you know and and I knew the second I did it I was like could not survive in here you know like i am so fucked if i end up here you know um and the funny thing was is that like okay so not a lot was funny at that moment but looking back on it the funny thing is, is that you laughed at it you were like oh dude whatever and you called him a fake tough guy and you know he's gonna sit there in there and bark at us through here but one thing that got like that in my head there was like this dude it was perfectly fine for that dude to do that like there were no repercussions there were no you know this guy could act like a total freaking idiot and try to intimidate people and do this in a situation where in normal life would not be okay at all but it's totally cool okay whatever in fact the guy who's in charge right here laughed at him you know and like it was kind of funny you know to him but in a different way but you know once again he got his attention so there we are moving on um we we moved on and we actually went to like an unused unit one of the older ones that was kind of being refurbished or something like that um and uh i was just like so you let us in so the two doors once again i went back to the one woman in the thing where there's two doors and it's really super hard to get in really fast and so my mind instantly went back to her saying a lot of damage could happen to her in the time that it takes for somebody to come help. Right. And so once again, kind of messed me up, but you're like, yeah. And you kind of let us just kind of disperse. There's like eight or eight or 10 of us or so that, that, uh, that evening. And, and we all kind of dispersed and we all kind of did our thing. And I tried sitting down on one of those ridiculous plastic chairs um, and the table and I just, what struck me was that, like, no matter how I sat, I, this, this is, I just couldn't get comfortable. There's nothing about that place that's comfortable. I was walking around the room 
and the angles in the room are wrong because there's some stairs here. And then, you know, obviously it's on purpose, but there's like, there's nowhere to be alone. You're in a room that's not very big with 60 other people. And that's how your life's going to be while you're there, you know? Um, and like I said, it's, it's on purpose so you can be watched and you can be, you know, monitored and stuff like that. But, um, I, it just, it just struck me out like the, the, the table wasn't tall enough you know, or it wasn't, or it was too tall. I don't know. It was just wrong. You know, everything about the place felt wrong. We went up and we were looking at some of the beds, the beds who that stuck out that were flat pieces of freaking plastic sticking out from the wall that you get. I don't know. Would you show us like a, a mattress that was about, I don't know, some of this some foam about that thick or so mm -hmm. land on that. Don't go to freaking jail. It is not fun. It doesn't look fun. It's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. It's not supposed to be obviously, but still i don't know i don't know what i was thinking but it just that those are the things and like once we were all done like you took us through you you told us and uh another thing that was that one of the positives was that like every officer that we passed like you greeted and they greeted you back so there was like a, i don't know if that was just and one of the, my questions was was that is that just a you thing or is that sort of like a thing that we do as corrections officers? Like, does everybody do this? Like, is this like how we keep our sanity? Is this a moment of human interaction that we need to have before we have to go back into the unit or whatever? Um, uh, that was kind of a thought that was running through my head. And then like after like, so we finished up and then and I was leaving and, um, and I got back to my car. Um, we did go to, uh, sort of, uh, the area where you worked, which was, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if in, it was in this facility, it was, it was called work release. I don't know what it's called in other facilities. Um, and that was kind of where your area was. And it, 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 that actually reminded me like the way that was all set up, that reminded me of like basic training with the bunk beds and the, 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 the lines of beds and everything kind of all in a row and it was seemed like it was a little bit more there was a little bit more human dignity in that area which was nice to see but once again like well then there then there there was the question of there were there were inmates walking in and out this back door like you, they're just going in and out and you know you just kind of like yeah yeah that's, that's what we do here and and i was like Whew, so there might be a little bit more stress back here because there's a pretty much an unlocked door with a straight path to the street if you really need to get there, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, him being you, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's how it is, you know. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, but I left, and uh, when I when I walked out, um, it was dark. I couldn't get away from the place fast enough. Like, I, I didn't want to, like run because i mean it was just like all right come on man you know you can handle that a little bit better but you know so but i was walking faster than i walked in i can tell you that much um and uh i just you know i was i was in the car i was driving home and it's just like i felt like i just wanted to like just like peel that place off of me you know like it just it felt like there was a smell there was a feel there was a a, a way about the place that i just needed to get out of my system or off not out of my system because I was only there for like an hour and a half but it's just like it felt like it was starting to like just stick to me and I just like I just had to you know like I, I came home I took a shower I you know I I laid in my bed and was just like oh my god I will never complain about this freaking bed again you know that kind of stuff um I mean obviously now I you know it's been a few years so I 
I, I complain about the bed again, but you know, but that night it was just so vivid and the feelings that I felt there of just unease and uncomfortable, just you're never in a place where you can be like, like, you know, you just want to, and then, so you were walking around it. Like you go to some of your, the, the, uh, the sergeant's offices or the other, and you just like, is there a beanbag chair in there that people just like can sit in just to feel some sort of like, softness at all and it's like nope nothing because you know you're not going to get any sympathy from that guy either you know what i mean the guy just kind of looks up from his desk he's like so you know <laughs> like all right okay that's that's bill's life this is bill's life for eight to 16 hours a day you know and um uh and that's that was that's kind of my my impressions of that visit so like i said it was like five or six just holy fuck moments um in just a very short span and also never wanted to go back if you were like, all right, now strap it up and we're going back tomorrow, I'd have been like, no, man, no, it's good. We're good. I'm no, that's exactly it. that's exactly how I feel at the end of every shift, and then I have to turn around and come back. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, no, that's that's good. I appreciate A lot of people are chiming in, man, saying they appreciate your uh, perspective. And, and TJ here says, uh, take another tour. We'll leave the light on for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm fine. No, it's fine. <laughs> Now we painted the walls, man. They're a little different shade, so whenever, uh, whenever you want to come by. Now, I, I listen. I appreciate you guys coming through because it was important for me. That was kind of the beginning of where I knew that um, I was sorting. I was kind of becoming a little bit different person, and I wanted you to see why. You, I wanted you to kind of be submersed in that environment, if only for an hour or two just to kind of feel what I feel all of the time. And, and, and for a lot of us who have worked there a long time, we don't feel those things anymore, our, but our body's still reacting to them, but we don't feel them necessarily a- anymore. But, but you, you know, your perspective is really important because, yeah, the, 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 the place is not comfortable. It's not, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are wrong, and it's designed that way. It's not, you know, it's not designed to be a warm uh, comforting place. Um, I love, uh, you know, and Brad, Brad's in here, uh, him and he, him and, uh, Ellen are going to boycott the show. They said, because, uh, I didn't invite Brad on. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I knew it was past his, uh, past his bedtime, but, uh, we get together, me, you and Brad, and, uh, <laughs> we have these fire pit discussions. We used to, uh, quite a bit. And, we would we would contemplate uh, anything from you know the multiverse to past lives to you know whatever I, I you know I don't know the more whiskey that we drank the crazier it got. But oh, and strawberries too. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Listen. Forget. So I'll tell that story because that's not nice <laughs> of you guys. So <clears throat> I, I gave him a good compliment earlier, saying he was a hide a body kind of friend. But here's here's what happened. So we're sitting around my old fire pit and. Um, I got a little drunk, and I was drinking strawberries, uh, which are very dangerous because uh, they taste—they don't taste like alcohol. And then I was, at one point in the night, I was mixing strawberries and my whiskey. And okay, he uh, was opening the strawberry can with a knife and dumping it with the knife into his whiskey glass. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's the amount of of drunk that that we were at so right so you know there's there, i've done some things i'm not proud of but but so, <laughs> well, let me ask you this here, here here's the thing and you guys can chime in on this is if you had a friend that was clearly 
uh, not in a good place. I mean, I'm stabbing things and then drinking out of them. Um, you know, would you stick around? Would you help? Here, here's, here's how I woke up. Let me just tell you how I woke up. I woke up. I told Brad says, I told you that I was fine, which is not true. Uh, because I don't even think I knew where I was, but I woke up laying beside my fire pit fire still going. Um, and nobody around, nobody around. Uh, they left me by an open flame, which was, it was a tractor tire and a rim. It wasn't like a fancy, like suburban fire pit with all the nice block and all that stuff. It was a rusty tractor rim in the ground that I could have rolled into and, uh, and burned to death. So I hope you guys feel good about yourselves. He was incapacitated. He wasn't going to do anything that was going to hurt himself. I promise you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, so one night we're having, uh, <laughs> we're having, you know, I'm going to, this have, is our relationship. Listen, guys. This I'm going to have you, do, so, you know, I, I'm going to have you back on and I'm going to have Brad here and we're going to, we're going to hammer this out because, uh, uh, I need some, I need to get some, uh, some clarity on this. Uh, and maybe and maybe we'll talk about the devil's cut night too. But but man, I am not carrying your punk ass all the way into your bedroom. <laughs> Seriously. Well, now I have a, now I have a two story, so it'd be it'd be it'd be hard. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Here's the deal. Uh, I've been with you where uh, you have been less than uh, clear headed. And, uh, <laughs> you were taken care of very well. Uh, somebody, uh, when you, wherever you ended up on the, on the back porch, I crawled up my stairs. No, no, listen, night. you're, I watched you get tucked in on a back porch. Okay. <laughs> so the least you could have do, done for me was put something soft under my head or a blanket or something, but no, I'm just, I'm left by the fire pit to burn alive. So you we're perfectly balanced, Bill. This was this was you. You were perfectly balanced like this. This was perfect. Now, whatever happened after that, you had to have moved yourself. But we 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 did the 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 nudge test. It was all done in love. I promise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. I um I that's that's something that uh, I well I'm over it, but it's just I just I'm concerned. Um, anyway, so we're having, I'm getting somewhere with this. Yeah, I hope so. I, uh, so, so we're doing one of these fire pits and, and, and we would always have these discussions. And like I said, they're, they're, I mean, they're great. They were awesome for me because I was talking to two guys who had nothing to do with corrections. And so I could completely just unload and, and forget about it. And, and, and we had, I mean, we had great, great discussions. And then you brought this book. Uh, one night and the book's called the other eight hours and I actually so in in my book I write the the, the chapter that is about two good buddies I write about this book and, and so you read you said hey I brought this book and I you know I'd like to read it to you I'm like that, that's great let's do it I was probably uh two or three whiskeys in at that point but yeah I mean- we were on your, your front porch uh, another fire pit night um yeah 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 I remember that book man that was uh so the book, so the book is. I'll fill you guys in here real quick. the The book talks about two guys, and the first guy is. Uh, it it kind of describes his daily routine, and so so it talks about him getting up and having a balanced breakfast and working out, and then reading the paper, going to work, um, you know, spending time with his friends, seeing his family once a week, uh, you know, in, in engaging and. 
you know, then having a great dinner and, and, and it just goes on and on and on. Right. And, and, and as you're reading this, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, fuck that guy, you know, but I, I, I wasn't sure why. Right. Well, I knew why, but I wasn't prepared for what was going to happen. And so then, then it goes in and it talks about the second guy and the second guy, you know, it talks about him getting up late for work. He goes through a fast food restaurant. He, he has a, he, he's tired. He's in debt up to his eyeballs. He, you know, he doesn't have time for a lunch break. He doesn't ever see his friends and family. And, and then when he gets home, he, he goes and he sits on his couch and he talks to his wife about things that they would like to do, but then end up just falling asleep on the couch doing nothing. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm listening to that and I'm like, yeah, um, I, I, I think I know this guy. And then. So then this asshole, right? So we're relaxing. We're having a good conversation, right? So I'm reading this word for word to him, right? And word he's got the, 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 the two synopsis. I have the book in my hands and I'm reading it to him, right? And then I read the next line and I knew this was going to mess him over. Uh, person one was an inmate at a correctional facility. Person two, the guy with the crappy life, was a corrections officer. At the facility that person one worked at. And and when he said that, it was like I got punched in the gut. I mean, it took the wind out of me because I was having an emotional reaction to these to these two different people, right? And I was like, honestly, like the first guy, I'm like, fuck this guy. How does he have any time to do any of this stuff? I mean, what is what does he do for a living, you know? And 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 so then after you find out, you're like, oh yeah, of course you does. But but you have to really look at yourself. So my question for you, uh, Pat, and that, and that was another, that was another thing that I'm like, you know, God, if my friends are starting to see, uh, something in me, maybe I should take a look at it. So what prompted you? What, when you read that book, what made you say, you know what, that's bill. I gotta, I got to, uh, I have to read this to him. Well, so besides the fact that, you know, it was a, an inmate and a corrections officer, I mean, obviously that's kind of on the nose there. So I was like, well, he's got to hear this one. But that book was about like, so here's the thing, like it's it's called The Other Eight Hours. And so it basically says, is, and I know that I'm speaking to corrections officers, so I'm going to get a few giggles here when I say you spend eight hours working, you spend eight hours sleeping. <laughs> right. And I knew it. Right. OK. So uh, what do you do? with the rest of the eight hours, we've all get 24 hours in a day. Well, two thirds of your life is taken from you already because you have to, it's just, it's, it's life. You're going to have to work and you're going to have to sleep. So what are you going to do with that? The third of your life. That's where you live your life. That's where all the memories are supposed to get, you know, we're supposed to have, we're supposed to take to our grave. And, and when we're on our deathbed, we're supposed to have our flashback before we die. And that's supposed to be, you know, do you want all of the things that you see in that second of like, before you die to be like inside the walls of a correctional facility, you know, now this excerpt was like the second page of the book. I mean, it was, it was the hook. It was made to kind of, you know, it was made to kind of get you into the book and, and, and well, it sure certainly got me and it certainly got Bill, um, uh, you Bill, but, um, it's, uh, and it's funny cause everybody else calls you Will or William, but, um, I'm going to call you Bill because, and that's okay. Yeah. That's so, right. um, but, uh, you know, and so I was seeing like, he would say things like, you know, he would always talk about like how he, um, gets on the intercom and he would do a, like almost like a radio show for the inmates and like, you know, to, to and make them laugh. And it was like comedy hour, you know, his time for bed spiel was like 
time for laughs and then we go to bed kind of thing. And, um, and, and he would, uh, you know, he would do, you know, kind of like mini counseling sessions with the inmates and he'd talk about that. And it was like, so these guys are getting the best of you. Like you are at your best when you are in your facility at work. And yet all you do is complain about it. Right. So like, what are we doing here? Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you placing that much emphasis and that much energy on what's going on inside? Once again, I have to, I, I have to preface this. Like I'm a mechanic. That's fine. I cannot do your job of corrections. I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm, I'll never be able to do it. So I cannot speak to what you have to do to survive, to live inside the the walls. You may have to give it all you got, all everything, you know, your whole thing. That's fine. But don't take from the other eight hours to give to just that. And so it was like, well, what are we going to do? You know, like, and then, and then, and then became a, what are we going to do? And I think we spent the rest of the night talking about, you know, just what else is there to do? Like, what have you done? What have you done in the past? What have you, what do, what kinds of things do you do to not be there? And, and that got me thinking. So after my visit there and after being friends from you, and so basically taking my, uh, so I'm a mechanic, I fix things, right? I wanted to. I somehow in my mind, I wanted to try to fix the problem. I saw an issue. I saw a problem. And so uh, I, I started thinking more about like, you know, um, what is there to do for you to be a better human being when you're not inside, you know? Um, and, you know, we come up with these things and and, and um, obviously we, we met at the lodge, the Masonic Lodge. And in the Masonic Lodge, we do what we do, what is basically called rituals, literally called that rituals. And rituals are routines performed for a reason. So that got me thinking about routines. And so you and I have talked a little bit about this in the past, like, um, like, what are your routines? Everybody has their routine when they get all going to work. Like, you got to get yourself hyped up. I heard you talking about it on one of your uh, other shows. I don't know if it was a tear talk thing, but, you know, um, talk about, like, the warrior mentality and how you got to psych yourself up for, you know, what's what may or may not happen and everything like that. So that's a routine. Like, you put on the uniform. You do this. What's the difference between a routine and a ritual is you assign meaning to it. What is the meaning? It's a conscious decision. It's a conscious thing. It's in your mind, you saying, I'm putting on this uniform because it protects me, because it does this. It separates me from the inmates. It does this. Um, and so you all have the routines. And I don't know if you can maybe speak to the, like what like a routine that you may have like on your way of uh, either going to for, or from um, and then maybe we can talk about like how to turn that more of, into a ritual versus just a routine. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you guys have uh, rituals or routines that you do uh, specifically like to prepare yourself, hey, this is this is I'm switching from home life to work life. Put it in the comments below and we'll and we'll we'll get to them. We'll touch on them. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do because our life is so uncontrollable is is I have this this routine and maybe you can tell me if it ends up being a ritual or not but where I have a certain time that I like to shower so I I get up and I and I do other things and I you know I if anyways I have a certain time that I like to shower 
And if anything messes with that, I, I get really anxious because I shower and that starts the process of shifting from, from, you know, father to officer. Right. And so I'm, 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 I'm in the shower. I take really long showers, really hot showers. Um, I, I, I like to stretch sometimes in there. Anyways, it, it's, it's part of my transformation. Right. And so then when I get out, so even in the shower, I clean the same way. When I get out of the shower, I, uh, you know, do my ears. I, you know, brush my teeth. I put, I do everything the exact same way every day. And then I have my ring and I have a, uh, a necklace that I wear. And this was my dad's necklace. Um, but I have it sitting next to the sink. Right. And so I put on my, and I do the same thing and it's so crazy. Right. So I'll, I'll put on my ring and I'll show you. So, and I, and in my head, I'm not saying like, you know, oh, you know, grant me the strength or whatever, but, but it, 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 this is what I do. And you can, maybe you can explain this to me. So I put on my ring. Okay. I put on, and it's one of those little flex rings, but I put him on my ring. Okay. And I squeeze. Okay. Mm-hmm. I make mm-hmm. a fist. I squeeze. I grab my necklace. I kiss my neck. First of all, I, 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 I move it the same way. Right. When I, when I go to put it on, yeah, spread absolutely. out the chain. I kiss the crucifix. I put it on. I tuck it in my shirt. And then I have certain spots in my house. Some people have like a basket or, or a place on a table where they put everything. I don't have that. I have some stuff in the bathroom. I have some stuff where I get dressed, uh, put my uniform on. I have some stuff downstairs in a basket. And then I have some stuff uh, out on the door. It's like, um, it's, it's almost like when you enter the facility, you go through different doors to get to where you need to go. I'm with each deal and I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else, uh, that I do. So I, I do all that. I get out the door. Uh, you know, I grab my lunch again. And if anything messes with any of that, it, it completely, it completely ruins my night. Uh, but one of the other weird things that I do is, uh, you know, I work a lot of overtime, um, but you know, so I'll go back when I, when I get for work, I, I kiss my family goodbye or whatever. And then once I go, once I leave that door, I'm done. I, if, if I have to go back in the house, cause I forgot something, it's almost like I have to start that process all over again because I'm dad again, because my daughter may need one more kiss or my wife may want, you know, one more. and then that fucks me up again because I've already separated myself from all of that and I'm getting ready to go in and do what I have to do. Um, and so kind of another weird thing that I do, uh, when I cross from, uh, one building to the other is that if I, I'll text my, I'll text my wife, Hey, I'm getting off at this time. Love you. And then I shut off my phone. I shut off my phone before she has a chance to reply because I don't want to see that reply. Not yet. I want to see it later when I come out of that building. And I don't know if I do it because I, because it's like when you, you know, you're trying to creep on somebody and so you leave your toothbrush or you got to come every night or whatever, but (laughs) I I don't know why I do it, but I I do it every, every time. And I get pissed if for whatever reason she jumps on there real quick because I try to shut it off. So I don't, you know, so, so that's kind of my, that's my going to, and then my, my coming home is and I've wrote about it is, is, uh, I've written about it, I guess I wrote about it. That's why I have editors. I, 
get in my truck. I I roll down the window, which isn't working right now. So I'm going to have to have you help me with my window. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, because I can't have a conversation with you uh, unless we talk about something mechanical. But, Start with cars, right? Uh, right. Uh, and and, and I, I don't turn on the radio, and I just I just go. And that is my sort of like a diver who's who's been down, uh, you know, in the depths uh, in the Mariana Trench, and you're coming up and you're slowly coming up, and um, you know I don't get on my phone right away. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm I'm in a great mood. I call my wife wife right away. Sometimes I don't. I but I need to. I it's because I'm coming up from where I've just been. So th- that's my. That's what okay. I. Do. That's my. Routine. Let me let me let me ask you. I mean, and, and I don't I don't want to be like confrontational here or, or whatever. But you just spent ten minutes telling me about all the specific absolute steps that you have to take, and you've put all that energy. That's a ritual, Bill. I mean, that's the point. You're not doing that mindlessly. You're doing it right. for a reason. So that is a ritual. It's a giant, huge ritual to go to work, and then to come home. Your ritual is what? Roll down the window and drive the speed limit? Like what? Like why don't you have like do you do, do you see what I'm talking about? Like how much you've put all this effort and and thought into going to work? And and I get it. Once again, stressful place. I'm not discounting that at all. And I'm not. But what if you put just that? I mean, if you put just that, even just half of the 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 time and the effort into the decompression stage. Like you, what if you took your uniform off the same way? What if you did the, you know, what if you walked out the same way? What if you walked the exact same steps? You know, did you park at the same parking lot? What if with each step as you walk out, you feel yourself, you know, you play a trick of the mind, you feel yourself climbing out of whatever darkness or whatever things that you could do. But you just told me that you have all these giant, this, these hoops that you have to jump to just so you can get in the right mind frame. Right. But then you told me that your, your only thing is you may call your wife or you may not on your way out. Depending on if you've had a good day. What I and I'm not, look, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be, I'm just trying to uh, be confrontational. I'm just trying to say that what if it was the flip side? What if you could go to work and like, you know, and it would be a little bit, but you spent all that time trying to come back to being a human because you have to put it on. Um, is it really that difficult to put it on? And is it, is it that easy to take off? Because you know, uh, I've watched your show. It's clearly not that easy. Otherwise, you know, things would be, you know, I don't know how much of a show you would have about right. that, this, you know. Um, so so there's that. Um, well, I'll I, tell you why. I'll tell you yeah. why that in uh, a lot of it, what's go here's what goes through my head when I'm uh, when I'm leaving. Right. It's number one. I survived. Uh, number mm-hmm. two, um, I didn't have to do any strip searches. You know, if that's if that was the case. But but throughout your week you are running essentially running to the end of your week right and so you i mean here's the thing if you work 12 hours if you work 16 hours you have less than eight hours from the time you are relieved to the time you have to be back to that post and so my yeah you're right i my routine to kind of transition back is is not good that's why it takes me two or three days to actually pull out of that, but how often do you get a three-day weekend? You know what I mean. It's it's so so. What I'm running through the week, now I'm 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 essentially worthless. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the 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 point the point I'm, uh, the point I'm trying to make here is that um we're not I'm not asking you to have a 19 step program just to get yourself back to 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 life or whatever um but if we can shorten the the idea if we can assign some meaning to the decompression um uh I, you've asked some of your guests in the past um you know what are some things that we can do to decompress or to um to be uh, to get ourselves um, out of uh, out of that that place, like you know, you you've told me in conversations in the past, like when you're not in, you still feel like you're there. Um, you're not fully present of where you are. Um, your body may be here, but your mind is uh, eight different other places and things like that. And so once again, I got to thinking, and um, in some of my travels, and I've met a few people. Uh, I remember having a okay. This is gonna sound like cliche as fuck, but I remember having a beer with a Buddhist monk in the Air Force in Japan. The thing was that he was also a crew chief and he was in the Air Force, which was a little strange. You know, um, uh, it wasn't like some guy I sought out when I was living in Japan that like I climbed a fucking mountain and he was on top. No, it was just (laughs) we were sitting there having a beer in the bar. He was in the other squadron. He was a crew chief, too. You know what I mean? And I, you know, I I wanted to get... um, get more talk. I always wanted to talk with him more, but I never got a chance to. Um, so, uh, fast forward to years later, um, you know, you and I always been, you know, like our shared, you know, spirituality, things like that. Um, one of the things, I don't know if you hear, um, uh, the, the, the buzzword out there now is mindfulness, uh, meditating, mindfulness, mindfulness, meditation, be present, be here in the moment, be just be, and, and all that other, hokey sounding shit but what what it comes down to is in the past you've asked some of your guests uh what are some things to do and you get answers and and you've been asked um and on all i always hear and see from you know the tier top guys they do awesome and um and and you guys uh and on your show is you know there are hundreds or there are literally thousands of ways you can do it well okay so great they're out there but like now we're in a dilemma because now we're standing in front of the toothpaste aisle, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this and you stand in front of 150 different kinds of toothpaste in the grocery store and somehow you cannot decide which toothpaste to get because it's, it's a trick of the brain that when there are more options, your, your brain assigns like more importance to that decision. Like, Oh my God, what if I choose the wrong one? Well, the reality is here's what happens if you choose the wrong toothpaste. You, hate it, throw it away, come back tomorrow and you get another one. Or you stick it out for a month, maybe, if you brush your teeth like you should, and you come back and you get a different kind the next time. Because every single toothpaste in that aisle is going to do the same damn thing. It's going to clean your teeth. All right? So it's not, the point is not, what if I do the wrong thing? The point is, try something. Try anything. And 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 I, and I said the words mindfulness earlier. Um what what I'm trying to get at is that like tonight I want to share with you um, sort of the the beginnings of 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 something. Trying, let's try something. If you're watching this, you've already admitted there's some some somewhat of a problem because you knew what was coming. You wanted to figure out about meditation. You wanted to try to do something. Well, let's try it. Let's try it. Just let's do this. Now I'm not asking everybody to become 
you know, a Buddhist monk or, or, or sign on and convert religions and things like that. But the idea of mindfulness is simply just being present, because if you were to tell uh, a true Buddhist monk your problems like, oh, man, Mr. Buddhist guy, I'm always I, whenever I'm out, like I work at this corrections facility and it's horrible there. And whenever I'm out, I, I just feel like I'm still there. I'm still there. He would look at you quizzically and he would say, well, how can you be there? You're here. And that's the point, right? The point is, if you're here, how can you still be there? All right. And mindfulness is a, is a sort of a getting in the moment thing. So, so how do you do that? Because that sounds okay, uh, that right. sounds really that sounds really nice and really really good to do. But to tell a person who's submersed in trauma and chaos all the time to just be somewhere else is difficult sounds like uh it sounds like a, a particular phrase that you hate um i hate it that's uh is it uh what, what what tell me again what the what the one you say it every damn time i see on one of these shows leave is, uh, leave work at work and home at home it's bullshit it is but is it not it's good advice it's 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 like what you said about the toothpaste it's 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 that's great okay so the, on it on its face that sounds like really solid Advice. Hey, all you got to do is not think about it. When you go home, you're home. You're dad. When you come to work, you're Officer Young. And uh, but the problem is, I'll don't... tell you why you hate it. I'll tell you why you go hate ahead. It. Tell me why I hate it. Tell them because, why I hate it. Because it doesn't come with any instructions. There you There's go. There's no how to at the end of it. There's no more. They just stop. Like it's the magic fucking bullet. Like hey, and and a lot of times what you hear when you when you talk about mindfulness is just that they stop there. They really do. They stop there. They're just like, just try to be present. Quiet your mind. Think about nothing. Have you ever tried to think about nothing, Bill? It's almost impossible without without the trick. There's a trick, but there is a trick to it. So a few years ago, I um, I attended. There's a group here in Omaha that uh, um, um, is is really into mindfulness, and um, they flew a, um, a a venerable Buddhist teacher in from Vietnam. Uh, this guy traveled thousands of miles to tell his story, and this he was this old ass Asian dude. I don't know if we can say that anymore. It's 2020. Um, I think you can but... still say old. Yes, you can still say old. Awesome, perfect. Uh, he was this old ass Asian dude, and um, he was telling his story. So it was a talk I attended. I was in a church next to a high school. Uh, funny, uh, it was a Catholic church where I was listening to a Buddhist monk. Uh, uh, talk about his life once again here i am talking to a buddhist monk and this guy spent two hours talking and the majority of it was kind of like what we've done here and waste an hour talking about some bullshit and whatever our relationship and stuff and he told us his life story and how he was a successful businessman and he was trying to uh, you know, he just, but he just couldn't keep up it's it, it just too much stress too much stress too much stress and that dude snapped sold all his shit flew to vietnam and entered the monastery uh, and that was it. That was the, that was his, he was, I am out and I am going to do this. Okay. So he told us about his, for his time when he first showed up there and for a month, if you were to do this and it's still the same way today, if you were to do the same thing, sell all your shit, hop on a flight to this monastery, when you show up, they say, welcome, go sit in a room and breathe for a month. Now in between the time and that you're like, what do you mean? Breathe? Like, in between the time that this guy would be sleeping, eating, or shitting, he was required to sit in a room 
and learn how to breathe correctly. Now, I'm not asking anybody to sit in a fucking room and learn how to breathe correctly, but he told us what he was, what they were being taught. And it's called conscious breathing. Okay. So you and I've been talking, we've been talking, we've been bullshitting, we've been bullshitting. Our bodies are breathing. They have to, to survive. But if we bring the idea of breathing to the forefront, right? So when you're saying, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. As you're doing it in your mind, you're saying it to yourself. I sat for two hours and listened to this guy and left there. And that's pretty much the entirety of what he taught us. That was it. And I was like, man, I thought I was going to learn the secrets of the universe. Um, and I got a lesson on how to breathe. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I was, I was admittedly, I was disappointed. I was like, ah, what is, what, what is going on? Um, and so I, I'm disappointed. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll I'll try it tonight when I go to bed. Whatever, okay. And and the point is, is that you just you can do it anywhere. You can do it right now. Everybody who's watching this, do it right now. Take a few deep breaths, and in your mind, tell yourself, "I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in." I'm breathing out. I'm not asking you to breathe deeply. I'm not asking you to breathe any differently. I'm asking you to just breathe consciously. Okay. So do it on purpose. And which we talk about once again, it's those rituals. You turn a routine into something on purpose. It becomes a ritual and, it be, and you assign meaning to it. So we're assigning meaning to the breathing. And what you'll find is if you quiet your breathing and you focus on just that, it's amazing. There's a little trick that happens where your mind turns just a little bit and you actually are for that first few moments. You're not thinking of anything. You're actually not like you're not. You're not worried about the future. You're not worried about what happened. You're not worried about seeing that guy strung up by his freaking, you know, by his uh I don't know, by his bed sheets or whatever. You're not you 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 just you have a blackness and you have a moment, a moment of respite. Now, inevitably, when you're just starting out, you'll get the thoughts they do. They come, they, they'll creep back in. But the, the idea of mindfulness is to allow that to happen, be okay with it, and then get back to your breathing. You use the trick of the conscious breathing. I'm breathing in. I'm breathing out. I'm breathing in right now. I'm not asking anybody to diagnose those thoughts or go any deeper than that. We're just taking baby steps here. The first step is getting yourself into a place. If you can give me five minutes, literally is all I'm asking. Not talking about right now. Not, I'm not saying like, all right, I'm going to shut up for five minutes. Now everybody breathe. That's not the point. But you get home and you are, you've, you've, you've taken your shower, you've done everything and you're going to sit down and you're going to sit down on the couch and what are you going to do? You're going to turn on Netflix and you're going to watch the show. You're going to do whatever. Maybe you don't even watch a show. Maybe you just do the whole like look through refrigerator thing where you just look at all like the previews of every fucking thing and then you don't. Well, how about you give me two minutes to try this out before you turn on Netflix? Just try it. Just sit in a darkened room and try the breathing thing. It is not an easy thing to do. First of all, you'll be surprised at how difficult it is to, to maintain it. But with practice, you're going to get there. You get to five minutes. And then you get to 10 minutes and then you get to 15 minutes and then you do 20 minutes and suddenly, holy shit, you just meditated for 20 minutes a day. 
you've meditated for 20 minutes a day. You are a person who meditates for 20 minutes a day. And you don't do anything but clear your mind. You become presence. When I say that, the, the time, the, the, the mind shifts, it's really something that you have to kind of, it's really something that you have to experience. It's really hard to explain. But what you do feel is that your, your focus kind of shifts away from whatever may happen or whatever has happened to right now. And that's where they talk about mindfulness being present in this moment. You've now synced up your mind and body. They're in the same place at the same time. And for five to 20 minutes or however long you can handle it, you're not in. You're not in there. You're right here, right now. And that's the first step. You learn how to be here and now. And then you can go to whatever the dinner party that you're always talking about going to go into. You got to go to that dinner party. Well, then you can take that idea and then you can be present at the dinner party because you go to the dinner party and have a shitty ass time. Or you go to the dinner party, be present at it, know that you're your friends because you're here, you're not there. Now, I can't speak to how things are inside, inside the walls. I know you probably don't get the time that you would like. I know you eat your lunch sitting in the same room as all the inmates and everything like that. Um, and I know you have to put on a certain facade and everything like that. I'm talking about the after. I'm talking about the other eight hours. What are you, This is five to 20 minutes of your time of that other time to speed up that decompression. So it doesn't take two or three days. It doesn't take two or three days to do, to get you spun down to where you can finally enjoy that fishing trip that you were going to talk about. You have to take extra six days of vacation because for a three day, you know, for a three day fishing trip, because you can't enjoy it before, unless you get enough time to, to get before and after, you know? So, um, so we're talking I like, about. I like what you're saying because I think even the breathing thing, even if they do it for a couple of minutes, you could sneak off for a bathroom break. You could you could step outside the facility for a minute, and you could take two minutes, and you could you even if, even if it's something, and and maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like this is something that you could do to halfway through a shift to recenter yourself and to say, okay, mm -hmm. I've cleared out the garbage from the first eight hours. I'm going back in. You know? Once again, we're not talking about a magic bullet here. It's not. It's not a magic bullet. It's it's a tool. It's a it's a thing. It, it if you can clear out for just that few minutes, because you you always tell me like, man, it's relentless in there. You know, I just saw this and I just had this guy and I just did this and then I got some you know some assholes just asked me to change the fucking channel. You know what I mean? Like what that that dude? Give me five minutes, okay? Well, go take your shit. Do what you got to do, and and but while you're doing it, you're there anyway. And it's also something you can do, man. You tie your shoes in the morning, breathe. You know, right. you're driving to work, breathe. Well, okay, maybe not driving. I don't want you to be like thinking about your breathing. Maybe I want you to be thinking about driving. You know, but that's you know, but that's also why driving is sort of cathartic for you, maybe because it's something else to focus on. You're doing it on purpose. You know, you roll down that window and things like that. So, um, so like I said, uh, it, it's not a thing. Meditation is not a thing that's, it's, it's not hard to start. It's not because you can do it. You just need a minute. Just try it for a minute. Just see how it's just, just see how it feels, you know, just, just, just try it. 
you know? Um, and, it, and once again, if you give it a week, give it two weeks, give it a few months if you got to, you know, but if it's not for you, then we can delve into the hundreds or thousands of other things that are possible that you would look, that you could do, but at least, you know, you tried something, you're on the right path. You tried something, you hated it, whatever, move on to the next, you right. know? So, um, uh, you know, I had a, a really, and I'm not, and obviously I, I'm looking at the clock too, man. I, I had this really awesome like analogy for, you know, how an engine works, the check engine light and all that other shit and how you should change your oil. Uh, clearly I'm not going to get into that. Why? Uh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. No, man. we're fine. Well, listen, we, I, we, we, uh, we may go a little long tonight, but, uh, you know, if people got to get out, they can get out. They come back in, they can come back in. I mean, you can always go back and rewatch this and then I post it up on YouTube later. And so you can, uh, you know, mow your grass or you can sit around and do your dishes and listen to us later. So, uh, and if you do, I do want to, I, I want to encourage, if you do got to go, Please rewatch and please come back because at the end, I am going to do a guided meditation for everybody. This is different than the breathing exercises I was just talking about. This is more of a guided visualization to kind of get you jump started going and just kind of get you interested in the idea of it. So, um, all right. Talk to me a little bit about, uh, uh, there's a specific chapter in my book, uh, called six reasons. And, um, Oh, and it, and, oh, I love. It, and it's about the bullets and burrito guy. And it's about the guy who uh, goes out in his garage and he puts six bullets in his revolver. And for every bullet he takes out, he finds, uh, you know, it's a, for every reason he finds to live, he takes a bullet out of his revolver. And at the end of the night, um, you know, hopefully he can find six reasons to, to not kill himself. Now, uh, you have a different take on, on that. So share that with uh because i think the majority of us uh the audience has uh you know kind of the same opinion that i do that that's you know that that's crazy um you know we're, we're focused on the the fact that he's putting these bullets in the revolver uh but you you have a different focus talk right. to me a little bit about right that. right right so when you first told me that story uh, before it ended up in your book you it was once again one of our fireside chats you know you were telling me about this guy and admittedly when you first told me i was the same way i was horrified i was like oh my how did you um did was he okay with i mean is, did he make it what you know um and he um uh, i didn't know the guy wouldn't never would have known the guy um but you said he was actually a fairly put together person yeah. like he like you you would like if you met the guy and then found this out it would have blown your mind about him it wasn't a situation where the guy was walking around wearing black and eyeliner and he wasn't that guy who's going to go off himself and everything like that it was that's what was so jarring about it to you which is why you told it to me which is why i found it jarring as well but then i started so and i've been I've been thinking about this once again. We've been going through. I'm the mechanic. I want to fix things, right? So I got this mindfulness thing, and we're talking about meditation and everything. And then we talked about rituals. And if we take out all of the alarming stuff and break it down to its natural, like to like at its most basic, that guy was forcing himself with the with a threat of death. You know, which is why, which is, which was, it made it much more important for him. He was forcing himself to think of six wonderful things in his life, six reasons to live, six good things. Now you said he had a whole ritual about it. He would make himself a whiskey. He would took the, bu the bullets 
in the gun. He would sit in the same chair in the couch. Well, that's a ritual. Like I said, dude, put the gun away. You know, I I, I don't want to speak because I don't know him, but I, I kind of feel like if he really wanted to kill himself, he would have, you know. Um, but he But he found those reasons. As far as I know, he's still alive. I don't he know. Is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's and he continues to find those reasons. My only problem with it is, first of all, obviously, dude, don't, dude, bullets, come on, like, just put that shit away. Let's let's not drink and have a loaded gun next to us. That's, I, I'm not condoning that in any way, shape, or form. But why stop at six, dude? You're on a roll. Like, you got your whiskey. You're sitting there. You're having a, you know, you're having a good old time thinking of all these things just keep going like why do we have to like why limit it you know why because what what happens after that he takes those six bullets he puts them all away well i've done my thing and he moves on so it's like but you could stay there he could stay there for as long as he could i would say keep thinking until you run out and see how long see how many you can get you know like that's a just sort of like I, you know, like a different kind of way to think about that situation, you know, right. like, yes, I don't hate that he was doing it. I actually love that he was doing it. I think it means I think it I think it and I think it played a role with him being as put together as he was. It's a form of meditation. Granted, it's sort of a scary, creepy, horrible form of meditation, but still at its roots, it is a form of meditation. And that's that's kind of why I wanted to talk about that guy. No, so. I, pre- I appreciate you breaking that down. All right, so tell so we're gonna we're gonna get into this thing here. Tell kind of set it up for us. Tell us what you if the if the viewer wants to participate. Tell us what you would like them to do. Maybe they need to sit a certain way. Maybe they need to. I I, I don't know. Set set it up for us. Um, and and what I'm gonna do is um when you're when you're uh, give them a little bit of instruction. When you're ready to go, you let me know. I'm going to jump off the screen so people aren't paying attention to me, and we're going to do this thing. Okay, great. Um, I will have to uh, do a thing as well. So why don't you uh, – uh, why don't tell you what, I got a good idea. Why don't you do your plugs for your next weeks or whatever, and I will be right back if it's okay. Okay, yeah. You just tell me how to, Sorry about just, that. Just tell me how to do my show. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna set up next week. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I will tell you what I'm gonna do on Wednesday, though. Uh, by the way, while he's shutting off his lights, and uh, Wednesday, uh, I'm gonna do a special live uh, edition of the Saturday Night Synopsis. And my guest, my guest has nothing to do with corrections. But hey, I'm gonna announce I'm announcing my live guest for uh, for Wednesday here before we get started. Um, he is a uh, he's a he got a YouTube channel. He's been on uh, the Weather Channel several times. He's a uh, amateur weatherman from Sydney, Nova Scotia. His name is Frankie McDonald, and I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I'm gonna post a link. I'm super excited about it, man. I reached out to him. Um, he has been uh, making me laugh and making me feel good about the world for the last couple of years. And uh, I'm going to see if I can get him to do a little weather report. We're going to talk to him about kind of his life and how he got into doing what he's doing. Uh, but yeah, Wednesday, it'll be 6, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, which is 8 p.m. Sydney, Nova Scotia time. I'm going to have the weatherman 
and author. He, he has a book. He has a bobblehead. I mean, the guy's a uh, the guy's a superstar. So uh, Frankie MacDonald will be on the show on Wednesday. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, tune in that. We're going to have a lot of fun talking to him. So, all right, Pat, take it away, buddy. Okay, I uh, I apologize for that. I, I wanted to make sure that the light behind me was off as well because I'm going to be turning my light off. So uh, in this situation, uh, sitting or laying down in a darkened room is is preferable. Um, you can uh, have your eyes open or closed. Um, uh, actually, that's part of it as well. Um, there's really no rules here, but the main thing is, is that like if you're watching on a phone, like if you can hear my voice by you know like, just put your phone down, like let it run like that. Um, if you can kind of tilt your screen down if you're watching on a, a laptop or something like that. The idea is to kind of dim the room for yourself, give yourself a nice comfortable place to be. Um, and once again, once we get going, it should take about 20 minutes. I really think that you're going to want to like try to stay for the whole thing. If you can't, that's fine. And you know what the best, um, kind of the best, uh, 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 compliment you can give me is that you fell asleep halfway through um which is totally cool um because then you can just go to sleep you'll have to eventually wake up and turn all your stuff off or charge your battery but um uh anyway uh i don't believe you will but if you can like i said stick with us the whole time um this is also something where i i i I wrote it um it's it's a it's a visualization so i'm going to take you we're going to start with a little bit of just some breathing and then we're going to move on our uh, to kind of relax the body, and then I'm going to take you on a little journey, uh, journey of the mind, if if you will. Um, uh, this is this is not specifically part of what we were talking about earlier. It's not mindfulness. Mindfulness is something else. Mindfulness is when you take a step, you feel the step, you feel the earth beneath. You know, when you talk to somebody, you really, really look at them and talk to them, and you be here and now. That's mindfulness. That's what I, that's the one thing this, this is just something to kind of maybe whet your appetite a little bit about, you know, just meditating in general. You, there are plenty of other guided meditations. So if you're interested, if you liked what you hear tonight, uh, you can man search them out. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Um, so, uh, if it's something that may help you maybe get to sleep at night or something like that. Um, uh, but in the meantime, uh, you go ahead. If you want to maybe darken your room a little bit, uh, put your phone down, um, I'm going to turn this light off. So I'm not putting out as, uh, as much light as well. And I am going to get into it. So here we go. All right. With your eyes open or closed, as comfortable as possible, you can lay down on the floor or sit anywhere. There's no rule that you have to stay completely still through this. So if you have to shift or fidget or move yourself in any way, that's fine. Just the idea is that you want to be as comfortable as possible. And if while we're going down our journey, you find your mind wandering, that's also okay. You'll notice it. I just want you to gently bring yourself back in with us and don't worry about what you may have missed. It's fine. Just come along the path. So as we start, I want you to let's take a few deep breaths, real deep breaths. And I want you to settle into a breathing pattern that's most comfortable for you. There's no right or wrong way here. Um, I want you to start to feel a softening starting at your forehead 
and then it works its way down the muscles around your forehead and your eyes and mouth and jawline as they soften and relax the tension leaves them and the softening of the muscles moves down through your neck and your shoulders down your arms into your hands down your chest and back into your abdomen down to the base of your spine as the softening moves down into your thighs and quads into your calves and knees finally down into your feet and ending in your toes if you're breathing correctly there's no right or wrong way breathing comfortably you should be feeling a little bit warmer now but you should be comfortable at all times You find yourself seated in a small darkened room. You're seated on a simple but comfortable chair. There are four stark walls and a door in front of you. On either wall, your sides, to your sides and behind you, there are rectangular windows about eight inches tall. They are made of clouded glass, so they let in a little light, but it's diffused and dim. This space is not uncomfortable for you, and it is necessary. It is a retreat, but it's very plain and does not stimulate the senses. Your focus comes back to the door in front of you. There is a lock on the door, but it's not locked right now. There is a light showing from underneath the door. You can see the light change over time, and every now and then there's a glint of brighter light that passes by. You can sense some movement outside as if periodically people are walking by. You have had enough of this room. There is nothing more to experience here. So you stand up from your chair and walk to the door. You try the knob to find that it turns and the door opens easily. You are now standing in a hallway with several doors on either side. The hall is air conditioned and feels very institutional. The doors are all closed and you pass by them without incident. You are heading towards a steel fire door ahead of you, and you push through. As you go on, you're walking up a skywalk over a busy city street from one building to the next. The sides of the skywalk are glass, and you can clearly see the hustle and bustle of city life moving below. There are countless people below you walking down the sidewalks. Cars, trucks, and taxis travel the road below waiting at red lights, then continuing when the light turns green. You continue across the skywalk and note that you are connecting one floor up higher in the next building. Again, you push through another heavy steel door. Inside, you walk down a ramp to a large echoing lobby. The center of the ceiling is open and goes all the way up to the roof, which looks to be about 20 floors up. The whole area is being lit by brilliant light shining down from the center of the roof. The light shines down directly onto an indoor garden area or green space. It's about 20 feet wide and circular with all kinds of tropical looking plants and ferns for ground cover. In the middle, there's a very large umbrella shaped tree, 
which has brilliant red flowers that almost obscure its green fern-like leaves. It has grown up to almost the fifth floor. It looks like no other tree from this area. As you are admiring the crimson blooms, you notice there's another person here. He is tending the garden, trimming here, watering there. He is older, and you feel as though you might even recognize him if you only saw his face. But he avoids your gaze and just goes on about his work. Everything about the garden seems perfectly manicured and cultivated, as though without constant tending, it would not exist as you see it. You turn from the garden and head towards what should be the main entrance or the exit of this of this building directly across from you. But just as you step toward the glass doors, the central sunlight turns out with a loud echoing click and is replaced by an image of a waxing quarter moon. You now know that the light was artificial and has been clocked to a different time from the natural circadian rhythm. As the light changes, there's growing, there's a growing noise as the office doors above you open and shut and then footsteps as what seems like the entire population of this building is emptying itself out onto the balconies and then ultimately down to the lobby. The amount of people flooding passively down the halls is staggering. The noise of the crowd is rising again as the main throng of people makes its way up the garden area where you are. As you try to escape towards the exit, you know that the people are wearing various forms of business attire and they all have faces, but you don't recognize any of them, so they all slide from your memory quickly. You're pushing through the crowd as if swimming upstream in a river. You don't seem to be getting anywhere as all the other people seem to be going toward from where you came in from the skywalk. As you're trying to move forward, you feel the momentum of the crowd against you. Nobody is specifically bumping you or even acknowledging your existence. Still, there's just a constant push to impede your progress. The noise is louder now. Your breathing quickens. Try as you might, you don't feel as though you can move against the push anymore. Stop. Close your mind's eye. Take one huge breath, filling your lungs. Hold it. One, two, three. Now, with one quick blow, expel all of the air from your lungs. Please resume your comfortable breathing and open your mind's eye again. You now see that the crowd of people is still there, but it's separated and is moving as though avoiding a force field around you. You can glide easily toward the glass doors now. And you do. And when you touch the push bar, all of the noise behind you fades in an instant. Turning around, you see the last stragglers of the crowd pushing through the steel door you came in. And the gardener is there, but he's no longer tending the plants. He's looking right at you, smiling. And you'd recognize that smile anywhere. Pushing out of the glass doors, it takes a moment for your eyes to adjust to the sunlight and you feel the warmth of it on your face. Instead of a parking lot, you're looking at a small yard area. At your feet, there is an earthen path about six feet wide 
doesn't look like it's been used for a while. The path runs neat, runs alongside a neatly planned and planted vegetable garden. The rows are straight and tilled, but it looks like the garden has been neglected. The plants are smaller than they should be, and some weeds are beginning to grow in the margins. It doesn't seem to be too far gone, though. A little work with a hoe and maybe some sprinkler time would bring this garden right back on track. You follow the path into the trees. <clears throat> it goes deeper than it looked at first. And the further up the path you travel, the deeper and older the forest becomes. As you hike up the slight incline, the shadows cast over you and cool your skin. The air becomes cooler and a bit heavier as you delve deeper and deeper into the ancient forest. Moss covers the stones that line the path you are hiking. The sweet, musty smell of rotting wood fills your nose. The light is fading now, and the brilliant colors of the forest are dulling into that twilight gray. The sun is setting, and replacing it in the sky is the full moon rising in the east. You can't see it from under the canopy, but the silvery rays of light shine down through breaks in the trees. Deeper along your path, you are losing the light almost completely. You can still feel the path beneath your feet. And if you stray too far to either side, you can feel the limbs gently brushing your face and urging you back toward, back on, onto your path. It's completely dark now. You raise your hand but you can't see it in front of your face. When you drop your hand, however, you do finally see something. Before you, about 30 feet away, is an intense area of light. As you step into what you now see as a clearing in the forest, you look up at the night sky and see the full moon shining down on you. You can see every crater and detail of the brilliant disk in the sky. In the light, you can see now the, four, the now four-foot-wide path plunging back into the darkness toward another island of light. You find that you can sort of hop these islands of light through the darkness, and each time you step into the light, you see the moon has moved on its own path through the sky. Until the last clearing, where you cannot see the moon in the sky anymore, the path becomes more and more inclined with each step you are taking. The darkness is giving way to the gloomy light of the hours before dawn. You climb upwards on, you climb upwards still on the path and feeling the air cooling. With each breath, you can feel moisture hitting the back of your throat. In the gloomy light, you can see fog in the valleys on either side of your trail. It is becoming rockier now and the forest is starting to thin. Still inclining more and more, you now have to climb on all fours to keep your balance. Your breathing is becoming heavier now as you climb. Each breath doesn't seem to fill your lungs as much as before. You see the fog is now thickened and is shrouding your climb. You climb and climb and climb and become quite weary. Each step upward is labored, but you keep pressing on. You come to a flat area at the bottom of a sheer rock face. 
There are no more trees now, and the cloud is a thick blanket of white all around you, chilling your skin. There is a chair on the side of the outcrop. It wasn't so much built as much as carved out of a natural rock formation. You sit down on the surprisingly comfortable stone chair and try to catch your breath in the thin air. You realize you must have traveled a long distance in the darkness and have climbed quite an altitude. After a few moments of rest, your labored breathing has evened and your weariness has abated. You feel refreshed and ready to continue your climb. Rising from your seat, you see in front of you a welcome sight. A flight of seven steps leads inward and up to the small square room carved out of the cliff. You take the seven steps up to the room. The floor is colored red, and as you step on it, you become aware of the stone beneath your feet. You feel its strength and age. In your mind, you see an image of a huge tree, and you can see the root structure as well. The roots branch out and extend down almost to the crust of the earth into its core. You feel connected to these roots and share their connection with the earth. With this new grounding, you turn behind you and see another flight of seven steps. You walk up these steps to another room carved out of the mountain. Here, the floor is orange, and all around you, there's the unmistakable aroma of baking bread. In your mind comes the memory of the most delicious meal you've ever had in your life. And you feel a slight stirring of physical pleasure. You feel full and sated. And with that satisfaction, you turn behind you to find the next flight of seven steps. Climb these steps to a room still carved out of the stone, but now only on three sides. One side is open and you can start to see that the clouds are thinning. There are tinges of dark blue sky above you flowing in and out of vision. The floor here is yellow and you feel a confidence surging from within you. You sense just how truly brave you are to be here and on this path. You know that whatever may come next here and in your life, you will be able to navigate with ease and grace. With your confidence swelling, you turn behind you and see the next flight of steps. You climb the seven stairs on the outside of the cliff now to a landing. This landing is green and your first step onto it brings a rush of emotion. In your mind's eye, you see two people embracing each other with, more, with warmth. You can feel their connection with each other and with you as well. You feel love in all its forms, friendship, secret love, love given and received, unrequited love, benevolence, erotic love, forgiveness. All the feelings rush over you and you feel as though you might cry. And you can cry, you know it's okay. With great love, you turn behind you and find the next flight of seven steps. You quickly glide up the next landing. It is blue. You look out across the valley with, through which you have traveled and yell out across the ether. 
You hear your echo return and an image comes of a podium on a stage. You're behind the podium and the curtains are still down. You know that as soon as these curtains are drawn back, you will deliver a speech to a crowded room. And with all that you and with all that you have experienced here, you now have no doubt that you will speak your truth powerfully and be heard and understood. Your truth being heard, you turn from the blue landing and find the next set of seven steps. <clears throat> Atop those steps, you find a platform perched at the top of a mountain, of the mountain. The platform is violet, and stepping up, you see that all of the clouds have cleared above you, and above you is the brilliant blue of the sky before dawn. You look out across a vista of mountaintops with green valleys below. Your vision is cleared, and you feel as though you can see every detail of the stunning panorama before you. Every tree, every crack in the mountain, every stream, every leaf even is visible to you. It's as if you've been looking through clouded lenses your whole life until this moment. You feel as though you might even be able to see the future. With your vision restored, you turn to your right and see the last flight of seven steps leading up and away from the mountaintop. You climb them slowly. Floating in front of you is the final platform, and it's made of white marble, and the east side of it has an arch rising about 10 feet tall. As you step up to the arch, you see the first rays of the morning sun begin to hit the apex above you. Looking out at the horizon, the sun is finally rising. As it rises, the golden light comes down the pillars supporting the arch, and you feel it begin to touch the crown of your head. The sun rises, and the light now covers your forehead, and down over your eyes, and all of your head. The healing light warms your face and your throat. It moves downward over your heart and solar plexus. The gentle rays move further down over your stomach and base of your spine, down over your knees and down to your feet, soothing away any remaining weariness, weariness you may have. You feel connected to everything and completely at ease with who you are, who you were, and who you are becoming. Stay here in this place for as long as you'd like. Heal as much as you can, learn as much as you can. When you're ready to return, just simply step forward through the arch and float gently back to where your body is waiting for you. Once you have returned, Take a few moments to feel your body again. Take it easy. Take it slow. And again, thank you for sharing this evening with Bill and I. Good night and be good. Let's go.